coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Ah, there ought not be any kind of secrecy in a church. Legally, there ought not be any kind of secrecy in a church. We are dealing with other people's money. I'm, let me stop right here. I'm not saying there are some problems in Faith UMC. Let me stop right there. I, I love Faith UMC. I'm just talking about what the Bible says. They don't use secret and shameful methods in the text for the church. I love it here. But this is just what the text is, and I follow the lectionary. It wasn't my fault that on Super Bowl Sunday the text said that they will mount up as wings as eagles. That didn't have nothing to do with me. Excellent is your name in all the earth. Let every word I speak and every thought I think be acceptable in your sight. Hide me behind your cross so that those who look will see not I, but Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about there's a light inside of you. There is a light inside of you. I'm reminded of a whole lot of songs I used to hear in church growing up. Some talking about shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. I I remember songs like walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. I used to hear a whole lot about light. I grew up in a church in Indianapolis, Indiana called Light of the World. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so I thought about that when I was looking at this text and it was talking about the veiled light. I've said time and time that uh, we as a people don't like to wait. Uh, humans are notoriously impatient beings. And, and another problem that I'm learning as, as I go along is that uh, some of us like to procrastinate. Uh, there's supposed to be a meeting of procrastinators getting started, but they can't ever get the date right. We like to put stuff off. We like to hide it until we are absolutely forced to deal with it. Uh, There are some islands uh, near New Zealand. And these islands near New Zealand, uh, Kiribati, the Republic of Kiribati, It's got 32 coral islands around it, and they call them atolls, and they're inhabited by uh, the citizens. There's 97,000 
citizens there. Uh, but even though it's 97,000 citizens, some of these islands look like they could have been used to shoot the movie Castaway or, 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 or the TV show Lost. They look deserted. But there are beautiful beaches and jungle landscape along it. But the problem with these islands is that the highest point of elevation, elevation is only two meters above sea level. And over the last hundred years, oceanographers have noticed about a, a, a 50 centimeter rise in levels. So that uh, basically, not, if, if we're not mathematicians, about 25% of the nation's elevation is gone underwater. And it looks like it's going to continue to go underwater. The president at the time uh, uh, when this article was published went to, help, went to ask for help from the international community during the United Nations uh, World Environment Day press conference. And he said, we may already be at the point of no return. He believes that the whole country's population will need to find someplace else to live by 2100. And he wants everybody that's there to do something about it. They've already lost two whole islands since 1999. And they are losing their beaches at an alarming rate. And why do I say that we procrastinate? Because most of the international community is treating it like we treat global warming or climate change. It's not a big deal. It's just a couple centimeters here and there. Shouldn't have to worry about it. But as my grandfather used to say, a penny in a pile makes a dollar after a while. When you allow, when you ignore something over and over again, eventually that problem will be right up in your face. Uh, you ignore it long enough, that problem will come right to you. You ignore it long enough, th these things will happen and it will take over and you'll be wondering where it came from. And I thought about this article in preparation for the sermon because some people might argue that the gospel is sinking. Maybe not the gospel sinking, but people's interpretation of the gospel sinking. There, there, there are people who piece by piece, little by little, chip away at the gospel. There are people who piece by piece, little by little, chip away at the Christian community. There are people who piece by piece, little by little, chip away at the gospel and chip away at the Bible. And then we wonder, after things got chipped away piece by piece, little by little, why our churches are empty on Sunday? Why do we have people who come to church but don't want to serve in any kind of leadership position? Why do we have people who come to church and don't want to give their time or their talent or their treasure? Piece by piece, little by little, things get covered up. Piece by piece, little by little, things get veiled. But this is not a new problem. This has been going on since the beginning. 
piece by piece, little by little, from the moment Jesus hung, bled, and died for our sins and rose again on the third day with all power in his hand, there were doubters. Uh, there were haters. There were people who were doing bad things to anybody that professed to follow the way. They didn't call it Christianity back then. They just said this person was a follower of the way. This person was a follower of Jesus Christ. And so they chipped at it. And not only were they chipping at it from the outside, there were people chipping at it from the inside. Uh, Corinthians is written not to those who are unbelievers. Paul is writing from jail to a church that can't seem to get their act together. There's infighting going on. There's all of these things. And so he tries to give these people some, some, a prescription for how they deal with this to let their light shine. Uh, Paul tells us how to handle the scriptures. Uh, he tells us first that he doesn't use, before you're reading, he, uh, he, he doesn't use shameful or secret methods. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways, for we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. I say it time and time again, even when I was talking about the prophecies, when somebody can't share their so-called message from God with anybody else, there's got to be a problem in that. Uh, there ought not be any kind of secrecy in a church. It's legally, there ought not be any kind of secrecy in a church. We are dealing with other people's money. I'm, let me stop right here. I'm not saying there are some problems in Faith UMC. Let me stop right there. I, I love Faith UMC. I'm just talking about what the Bible says. They don't use secret and shameful methods in the text for the church. I love it here. But this is just what the text is, and I follow the lectionary. It wasn't my fault that on Super Bowl Sunday the text said that they will mount up as wings as eagles. That didn't have nothing to do with me. I follow a calendar. But it says that when Paul addresses the text, he doesn't use secret or shameful methods. He does not distort the word of God, and he preaches Jesus and not himself. If anybody had anything to brag about, it was Paul. He said in Hebrews that he was a Hebrew among Hebrews, a Pharisee. He knew his stuff, but that still did not matter. It didn't matter whether or not you had a third grade education or if you had seven PhDs. It didn't matter whether or not you had all the money in your pocket or you was broke as the Ten Commandments. What mattered is Jesus. Jesus hung, bled, and died for your sins. Jesus was crucified so that all of us could not have to worry about death, hell, and the grave. Jesus was the one who saved us, and that is what matters. And so when he talks about this in the text he says even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God we can't come up here and preach ourselves and that ain't just for the preacher for a living uh, you all are preachers you all are priests you all are Bibles that people read. You all are sermons that people see. 
So when you preach your sermon, and when I say preach your sermon, I mean live your life amongst those who are non-believers, you got to preach Jesus and not yourself. And he talks about that this, this, this gospel is veiled. Uh, the gospel of Jesus is, in sense, is an unveiling. The barrier between God and humanity is removed. Light shines into darkness. Divine access is granted to those whose rebellion forbade it. That's why when it talks about things being veiled, when Christ died on the cross, there was a veil that was torn. Uh, there used to be a time in the temple where you didn't have access to God. You didn't have access to the table. You had to go through a priest to get into the table. And then you couldn't even, or you had, you, not only did you have to go through a priest, you actually couldn't get to the table. You had to give your concerns to the priest. And the priest would go behind the veil himself and they would tie a rope around the priest. Because if, the ro- if that, that, that priest got, uh, came, went into the Holy of Holies and he had some sin on him, he would die. And they needed that rope to pull him back out. Because they didn't want to go in there after him and possibly die themselves. But when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn. That veil being torn meant that we all had access to Jesus. That's why I like the table out in front. I don't like the table behind the pastor. You ought not have to go to, through the pastor to get to Jesus. I can't go to heaven for any of y'all. I can intercede on your behalf. I can pray for you. I can bring up prayer petitions. I can do different things. But the fact of the matter is, is you all have to have your own direct relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this veil is being removed and he's talking about it in in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But there's also other times because this being Transfiguration Sunday, one of the other uh, scriptures that was available is Matthew 27. And and, and Jesus, uh, or no, Matthew 27, I'm sorry, is where the the veil is torn. But the other text is when, when Jesus goes up to the mountain and his face is changed. And they know God's presence. But what we're saying is when it's unveiled, you ought not have to go through anybody else to get to it. Uh, And so he he hand Paul handles the scriptures by by not using secret and shameful messages. And he doesn't uh, distort the word of God and he focuses on Jesus and not himself. Uh, and, 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 and even though I read three through six in your hearing, I like verse seven on, ver- on chapter four because it talks about us being treasures and jars of clay to show this all surpassing power is from God and not us. Uh, the power comes from God and not our own. You ever handled clay? It's real fragile. Breaks real easy. People like to work with it to make different kinds of art. And I, I remember going to school and, and having to make various art with clay and then paint it and glaze it. But you know something that I like about clay? It's, 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 it's fragile. And some scholars talk about the reason Paul referred to this and they found all of these uh, archaeological digs where there's a bunch of clay pots during these biblical times but clay was fragile. Clay broke easy. Clay uh, uh, was used for a lot of things. But you know what I liked about clay? 
clay got harder after it went through the fire. You taking that dry clay is not very usable. But when it had gone through the fire, when it had a little bit of heat applied to it, something on the inside made it stronger. So that way when you were able to use it, because once it was done, it wouldn't be dry and brittle anymore. And it wouldn't break as easy. Once it had been through the fire, it had a little more value to it. And when you looked at the clay afterwards, if you didn't know anything about clay, you wouldn't have known it had been through the fire before it happened. But it came through the fire and ended up looking better on the other side of the fire than it did when it came out. Uh, Sometimes you need that fire. I'm reminded of the scripture talking about I've been through the fire and I come out as pure gold. Just like that jewelry we have. The jewelry, you got to heat it up to make the impurities rise up. And then you got to scrape the impurities off. And you know that that jewelry is ready to be molded after it's gone through a little bit of heat. And when it's gone through a little bit of heat, when the maker can see its face in it, when the maker can see his face in that heated up gold or silver, they know that it's ready for use. And so he talks about this unveiling and this revealing and letting everybody know that we ought not hide our Jesus. Uh, my, my wife, I'm a ball from her. Uh, the, she taught the discipleship of children through prayer uh, uh, workshop yesterday, and she said something that, that made real good sense to me. Uh, And it doesn't just apply to children, but it should apply to adults as well. It says we ought not focus on making our children have a prayer life as much as we should make them focus on having a life of prayer. See, when something's a prayer life, that becomes a cog in the wheel. That becomes a spot on your calendar, something in your itinerary. When you have a prayer life, you are scheduling your prayer. But when you have a life of prayer, everything you do is surrounded in prayer. It can be verbal, it could be nonverbal, it could be meditation, but everything that is done is surrounded in prayer. And when you teach children to have a life of prayer instead of a prayer life, you can't take prayer out of the school because the prayer is in the child. Amen. Amen. The same way we let our lights shine before others, it's not about something you do, something you set aside time for. It is you. Ah. And so he tells these people that, 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 that uh, in, in the text he says, for the God, uh, 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 he says, for the glory of this age has been blind, the God of this age rather has been blinded to the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now there are a bunch of scholars that debate on whether, what exactly it means when Paul says the God of this age. Because the fact of the matter is, some people say, you know, that he's specifically referring to Satan in this matter. But there are others that say he's specifically referring to idolatry. But it could be either or. Uh, I can tell what you worship based on how much time you spend around it. I can tell who your God is based on where you spend your money. I can tell who your God is based on what you absolutely positively are not willing to give up. For the work of the Lord. And sometimes our God is in the church. 
toes back. <laughs> Sometimes our God is where we sit. Sometimes our God is what type of music we listen to. Sometimes our God is what order the service goes in. Sometimes our God is who gets to preach on Laity Sunday or not. Sometimes our God is the book of discipline. Sometimes our God is some things that don't have anything to do with the history of the church. We just want it this way. And we ain't going to have it no other way. Sometimes our God is our own preaching skills. Sometimes our God is how much a pastor makes. This pastor making this much over here, why can't I make that? But the point is, is these things blind us from the gospel. They blind us from what really matters. But the situation is not hopeless. Uh, It talks about letting the light shine out of darkness. That means that even though the situation may be bleak, even though the situation may be dark, even though you may not see any light around you, there is a light that is still inside you. No matter what the opposition says, Jesus still went to Calvary for your sins. No matter what the opposition says, Jesus still thought enough of you to get on that cross. He could have called 10,000 angels down, but he did it. He who knew no sin took on all the sin of the world so that we could have access to heaven. And so if there is anything that is bleak, if everything around you is bad, that is still a light that is on the inside of you. And it is a light that can't nobody else take away from you. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. No matter what's going on on the outside and things are happening time to time. Stuff will get rough. Your family and friends will fall out with you. Something will happen on your job. Something will happen with your money. But no matter what's going on on the outside, you still have a light on the inside of you that has been unveiled through the light of Jesus Christ, the gospel. G-O-S-P-E-L. God's only son provides everlasting life. No matter what else happens out here, you still have that on the inside. And it'll be unveiled Eventually, And for those whose eyes are still veiled in 2 Corinthians, uh, it goes on further in 3.16, but the not yet, or not yet has come is a cosmic element because there are some things that will be unveiled later. You just keep on holding on. Just keep on waiting. Just keep on understanding that that thing that is unveiled, that is inside you will eventually be unveiled. But no matter how dark it gets around you on the outside, you still have something on the inside. And because you have that light on the inside, you can be hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Because you have that light on the inside of you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.